Welcome back to the Punch the Timeline Network. Do you like comics? Because I do. When we come back, let's talk Justice Society of America. It has been a while. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Punch the Timeline. Jared Flying Solo here. Thanks for sticking around. Let's talk comics. Here we are on the Punch the Timeline network, which will be basically me doing a bunch of different things with different people. We have this show where I will be doing solo shows, talking about the books that I love. Of course, we will be doing Uncanny Timeline, which is me and Julie, as I'm introducing her to comics that I love and getting her opinion from an outsider's perspective, a non-fan, if you will. Devin will be here with Spectacular Timeline as we bounce around the comic book world. Uh, The UWC will be the home of professional wrestling pay-per-view reviews. Occasionally, we'll do Timeline Team-Up, which will be me with other podcasters. And there'll be many other projects in the works. Just kind of whatever I feel like trying, we're going to throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. Today, appropriately, we're talking about a group that disappeared for a while and then made their return. We're talking about the Justice Society of America. Specifically, the Justice Society from 1992. But to tell you about this series, I need to tell you a little bit about the Justice Society. And I need to tell you a little bit about how I found this book. Those who have been listening to the show for a while know that I didn't have a comic book store near me growing up. I grew up in a small town. Uh, My comic book store was Walmart. So these... um, I don't want to call them second tier, but these secondary books outside of that realm of Batman, Superman, and the DC world, whatever didn't fit on the rack at Walmart, it was stuff that I just saw in a, in a house ad or later on I would read about in Wizard. But in those early days when I was 12 years old, it was just all the main core Superman and Batman books. And of course, as I go through this Justice Society book, we'll talk about it. There are ads for like Sword of Azrael, Death of Superman, uh, Nightfall. There are Milestone advertisements. Milestone was becoming a thing. So this is at a point where DC Comics are changing and DC um, decides to bring back a book that is filled with superheroes from when your grandparents were kids. More on that later. Now... When I found this book, this book has been elusive to me because I wanted to read it. It's been something that I've wanted to read for a while. But it's not, for some reason, available on DC Universe Infinite. And the way I found this book was an estate sale. Uh, We found the estate sale listed. It was a collector's dream is what it was. It was listed as. Three-day sale. 
in my town, my hometown. And I went and it was a little, it was a little depressing. Artie in the background there, ladies and gentlemen, got to keep the dog in the room while we record. It's weird to walk into a room that is filled with collectibles similar to your room and see someone's life, someone's collections for sale. Another thing was they really overpriced this stuff. Um, they were asking, this is on the first day, a dollar over cover price. Now, most of this was early 90s DC. There's some Marvel in there, but a lot of this stuff wasn't even worth the money you paid for it back then. So I walked away. I decided the third day to go back because if you don't know the estate sale game, um, everything's half off on the last day. And I came out of there with some stuff that I liked. Um, some things that I had given away or just some stuff I wanted to have that I didn't have before. And that's where I found it. Justice Society of America is only 10 issues, but there they were. And I bought it and it's, I've had it for like six months and it's now like one of my most prized uh, books in my collection. And why is that? Well, to get there, I got to tell you again, I got to tell you about Justice Society. If you are new to the comic book game and the DC comic book world, the Justice Society is the original heroes of the DC universe. Now, Superman and Batman, of course, came first. And in the pre-crisis world, they are part of the Justice Society. Now, this is the original versions of Green Lantern, Flash, You've got Hawk Girl, Hawkman, the Atom, Wildcat, Our Man, the Sandman, the Wesley Dobbs Sandman, the Ted Knight version of Starman, Johnny Quick, Dr. Midnight, Johnny Thunder and his Thunderbolt. Now these heroes, they held it down in the 40s and the 50s. Now from a continuity perspective these heroes were indeed the originals but as you know time moved on and the shock of the new with the silver age coming in they were pushed off to another world if you've heard about crisis on infinite earths they were earth 2 they were the world where this these heroes still continued on so there was a superman on both worlds, Earth 1 and Earth 2. Now, this worked out for a long time. There was the yearly Justice League, Justice Society crossover. It worked well. You know that Flash cover. You've all seen it where the guy's falling. And he's like, help me, Flash. And on one side is Barry Allen and Jay Garrick. The original Flash is on the way as well. Earth 2... It's really cool if you really want to look back at it and something I will um, explore later on, probably just in my personal reading, but man, that Bronze Age is something else. Um, You've got the Batman Family is a book that I was reading where things like if you're so used to something from your age and you see the storylines from back then, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl was a senator. Or a representative, I can't remember. But she's in Congress. 
Like she is in Washington, D.C. Um, Dick Grayson keeps the moniker of Robin and has a cool, a really cool revamped uh, costume. No longer wearing the short pants. Got a nice full mask too. So these are your original Golden Age superheroes. And in the 70s, they progressed and... You know, there were team-ups and there were books and they actually killed off the Golden Age Batman. And some of these books are pretty crazy for the time. Like, I wouldn't expect them to ever kill off Batman. Of course, it's like when Superman marries Lois back in the day. It's always turned out to be, you would think it would turn out to be a joke, but no, Batman actually dies. As we get into the 80s, uh, the JSA, they've got their own book. They have a book called Infinity Inc., which is the children and heirs of the JSA members. So you've got a new generation of heroes that are taking on the mantle of this JSA team, which is really the thing that I love about the JSA, even beyond the book I'm going to discuss, is that they stay this core family and they keep together and the legacies continue as the time goes on. But you still have those heroes who are there. Now, you're probably asking yourself, how do these heroes who are around when my grandparents were kids, how do they justify them still being alive? Well, here, let me help you out. Crisis on Infinite Earths, they take all the heroes, they take all the universes and mash them all together into one. So the Earth 2 heroes become part of this new Earth and then it's like the story is that the Justice Society was were heroes in the 40s and 50s. They had to retire because Truman didn't trust superheroes or mystery men, as they called themselves. And there's magic involved. Of course there's magic involved. The magic keeps them young. Now, as we get after Crisis on Infinite Earths, they want to rewrite continuities and kind of really the JSA is just, it's kind of in the way. It's something that doesn't work for their new vision. So what better to do when you're in comics than to write them off. So in the last days of the justice society, which is available on DC universe, the team was merged. I'm reading for Wikipedia here. Merged. With the Norse gods in an ever-repeating Ragnarok-like limbo. Now, having said that, that sounds crazy, but when you read it, it kind of makes sense. There's some really poignant deaths in there that you think are like, oh no, this is the end, they've written them off, but they're no. They just get back up and start fighting again. This is 1986. Adios, Justice Society. Let's talk new continuity. Let's move on. So for five years, there was no Justice Society. The only ones who survived this were Power Girl, the Star Spangled Kid, the Spectre, and Dr. Fate. Five years later, there is interest in the Justice Society, and there is an eight-issue limited series. And each issue, while telling one story overall, each issue tells you kind of the backstory of the members of the Justice Society. I found it interesting that um, Starman, in his book later on is has always lived in Opal City, but in this he's got an observatory in New Mexico. That's just a little little tidbit there. But I guess that was popular enough that 
1992, Justice Society of America was released. Now, before I jump into that, I'm going to take a little drink here from my comic book keeper's mug. I want to talk to you about, about the podcast. I'm going to put in maximum effort here, and I want to reward you for listening. Now, if you recall last year, Devin and I read the Future State books, and you know what? We didn't like them at all. As I sit here in my office, I look over on my bookshelf and I have almost all my books bagged and boarded, except for those damn Future State books. I don't want them. Perhaps you do. Now, I have a number in my head of plays for each episode, and moving forward, every time that one of these episodes hits that magical number, I'm going to reward a listener. And I'm not going to advertise this on Twitter. All you have to do is email me at punchthetimeline at gmail.com and just say future state. And when I hit that number, I will randomly select someone and then I will be in contact with you to select one of these many, many future state books. And I might even throw in some extra books that I got. Loyal listeners, send me an email. Punchthetimeline at gmail.com. Future state. Also, I welcome your reviews or your opinions or your feedback. This offer is not valid for podcast co-hosts named Mike and people outside of the U.S. I'm kidding about the podcast named Mike thing. It's just that I know three of them, and I wanted to say that. Let's get back into the Justice Society of America. This book, while short, is amazing. It's written by Lynn Straczewski, art by Mike Parabek, who is a legend. You might know Mike Parabek from his work on Batman, and unfortunately, tragically, he passed away many years ago. Died too young, really. Ink by Mike Macklin with colors by Glenn Whitmore. The beauty of this book is that it tells many stories, and you can tell that this book was prepared to go for several years. There's something about this book, and this is a thing that I want to talk to you about. This is the goal of this podcast now. You know those books that just give you that feeling where everything, the art, crisp, great storytelling, the writing, A plot, B plot, C plot, everything flows together. You have to come back and be like, whoa, that was referenced in this episode. Beautiful colors. Everything works perfectly together. That comic nirvana. That's what I want in this podcast. I want to help you find your comic nirvana. And this book, like I said, I've had it for six months, even though it's 30 years old a prized possession in my collection. This book opens with the JSA returning from their Ragnarok-like limbo to a parade in Gotham. This book takes place in Gotham, but this is a Gotham that isn't Dark Knight Gotham because Alan Scott, a.k.a. the Golden Age Green Lantern, he had a television station. They have a headquarters at his GBS television station. It's a screening room filled with trophies because when they disappeared, their wives kept everything, knowing that they would, hoping they would be back. Now, that is the tragedy of this book, is that some of the people, when they return, their loved ones are gone. Wildcat's wife had been dead for a year. Uh, this first issue features their welcome back parade, or their welcome back at a stadium. Superman making a cameo in this book. He's there to witness it. There's a subtle reference to the death of Superman because Lois says to, to Clark, Clark talks about how much of an inspiration they are. And Lois says, let's just hope we have as much time together. Before, of course, you know, some villain busts through and 
And of course, you would think that the Justice Society is there to save the day, but Superman comes and stops the threat. And this is a, a central theme of this Justice Society book. Yes, they are younger. The magic of the Ragnarok limo has kept them much younger. And they have issues. <laughs> Imagine being with your significant other and uh, you disappear for a while and you come back 20 years younger. That, that probably isn't going to set very well with, with them. Now, this Justice Society decides that while they are younger or that while they aren't as young as they used to be, they can be there as mentors and that they are going to you know, help this new generation. That's how the book, first book basically ends. It's them being like, well, we're back. Things are different. But we can be here if we want to help this new generation. One of the major things that happens in this first issue is that Sandman has a stroke immediately during the battle. Some of them age a little bit, a little bit more than others. A beautiful thing about this book, like I said, was Mike Parabek's art. Parabek worked on this Justice Society series, and then he jumped over to Batman the Animated Series. Parabek's art, I would call it, I, I don't want to dismiss it by calling it cartoony, but it's just a lighter style. It's, it's this great ability to tell a story. There are beautiful splash pages, and he is just a real all-time great artist. And I am glad that I have this book because of his art. And one of these days, I'm going to track down some original Paraback art. Now, as this book continues, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but this book focuses on the society trying to find their place in the superhero world. You've got guys who come back from their limbo and find out that they're millionaires because they left some money to a family member and then disappeared and came back and they're part owners of this great business. An important first appearance in this book is Jesse Quick. Jesse Quick is the daughter of Johnny Quick and Liberty Bell. Johnny Quick, he had called it quits. He wasn't part of the Ragnarok. Uh, he wasn't part of the Ragnarok moment. He was retired and he became, in this book, he becomes an owner of a supplement company and he's more of a infomercial guy. He finds that his power where he says a secret formula and it gives him super speed was just a mantra and that he could tap into the metagene of himself and get the superpowers. Important, important part of this book. Jesse Quick plays a really big part in Mark Wade's flash run. In fact, Terminal Velocity, where she shows up, is very, very good. In fact, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read that and do an episode on it. Because Mark Wade's Flash is just... Mwah. Jesse Quick's first appearance is in this set of books. She is writing her thesis on the impact in society of superheroes. As the issues progress, you know, the team deals with villains they thought were long gone. Our man deals with the fact that his son has cancer. Our man had used his miracle pills to give him strength. And unbeknownst to him, those pills ended up giving his son cancer. So his son in this book is dealing with cancer and he's trying to figure out a way to get him strong to get through his chemotherapy treatment. Now, what 90s book isn't complete without some team-ups or appearances? And how much more 90s can you get? than an appearance by Guy Gardner. Yellow Power Ring Guy Gardner makes an appearance in this. And of course, whole hothead guy 
gets into a fist fight with Alan Scott, and of course he gets his ass handed to him in typical Guy Gardner fashion. If you're like me, and you've got JS, Justice League number three from the 80s, where Guy gets knocked out with one punch by Batman, or if you got Green Lantern number 25, where Hal and Guy get into a fist fight, and Guy gets outsmarted by Hal, then you know that the ass-kicking that Guy gets is well-deserved and highly creative. Because Alan Scott is the OG. He is the official chairman of the Justice Society as Hawkman and Hawkgirl go off to do other things. They make an appearance in the first issue and then they come back for 9 and 10, 8, 9, 10. I'm not a big Hawkman fan, so I'm not hurt by that. The funny thing about this book, if I hadn't read it in the Wikipedia, I would have found it in the letter pages. This book gets canceled after the third issue the decision is made. Now, in the letter columns in issue number seven, they acknowledged this. And I'm sure this was a, I don't know how the rumor mill worked in the 90s, but there's a letter and it was like, hey guys, are you guys getting canceled? And it was like, yes, we are getting canceled. Back to the Wikipedia, the decision was made to cancel the book after the third issue's release. How do you how do you do that? How do you give a book three issues and then just decide, well, we're done. I can understand if it's tanking, but I'm sure in the 90s, this thing was putting out 100,000 copies easily. Now, if you listen to Lynn Straczewski, the explanation for the cancellation of the series was on Mike Carlin. Mike Carlin, best known for being the group editor of the Superman books. He didn't like Mike's artwork or my writing and believed that senior citizen superheroes was not what DC, DC should be publishing. He made his opinion clear to me several times after the cancellation. So this book comes out, doesn't really get a chance, and then gets canceled. But they're so far into the process, they give them 10 issues, and then there it goes. If you remember DC in the early 90s, I guess I can see why they didn't want to do this. I, as a 12-year-old, would not have wanted to read about senior citizens. And senior citizen, these guys, of course, are like, 70 in the book but they look 50 maybe it's because i'm 40 now and it's more appealing to me but i don't understand why i wish i could get a hold of mike carlin and get his opinion on it but this book is worth looking for the problem is with it not being on a digital service you gotta go out and find it if you find this on ebay in fact let's do a live look okay oh wow depending on where you look this is going to cost you a few bucks you know what? Right here. Here's a lot for 20 bucks. For 20 bucks, you can get 10 issues of the best the best series that I've read in so long. This this book is worth seeking out. And I guess some people are taking issue number one and sending it to CGC and getting it graded because it is the first appearance of Jesse Quick. I saw one on there for 200 bucks. Call it an investment. Call it a good read. If you seek out and find the Just Society of America, I want to hear about it. Tell me what you think. Because that's what we're looking to find here. We're looking, I'm looking for interaction here. These are comics that I like. I'm going to tell you why you should read them. I'm not going to read them to you. I'm going to tell you why you should read them. Why should you read this book? Great writing, great art, amazing art. Heroes trying to find their place in the world. These men were on the top of the world. They saved the day every day. And now they're wondering when their powers, the magic's going to go away. And they're going to go back to being in wheelchairs. Some of them end up in wheelchairs. This is a well-written book. This is a book that if you don't like, I just don't understand what you're looking for in a comic. And that's all I can say on that. It will lead you down a path because you can go forward with the JSA series 
of the late 90s and early 2000s. You can go backward with Infinity Inc. You can go back and actually read Justice Society books from when they were on, on their peak. You can read All-Star Squadron, which was a series taking place during the 40s. This book is just a little piece of a very large story that is still continuing today. There's an animated series on HBO Max, an animated movie. There's the Stargirl TV show on the CW that features some of these Justice Society superheroes. Just now in the DC continuity, Justice Society made their return in Doomsday Clock. But if you were going to read, if you needed 10 issues to convince you whether you liked a book or not, this book is for you. So that's how I'm going to end this. This is your sampling. Justice Society of America. I don't know how many times I've said that during this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. When we come back, we'll be reading a book about a Marvel hero. But this isn't just any Marvel hero. This is a Marvel hero taking up the mantle of what once was a supervillain. This book did not run very long. This is also during the mid-90s. We'll be talking Green Goblin. And it's not the Green Goblin you think. Thank you once again for listening to Punch the Timeline. My name is Jared, and I love comics. And I hope you do too. Check us out on Twitter at Timeline Punch. We're everywhere you can find your podcasts. And with that, outro music.